a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the Minneapolis Supercross Race Review, otherwise known as the Eli Eli Tomac Kicking Ass Race Review. Uh, third third win in four races from uh, from the Monster Energy Kawasaki rider. I'm Steve Mathis, of course. Light hydrogen racewear from Fly Racewear. This is some of the best stuff out there for these guys. Guys like Millsaps, Baggett, and Pike, and and uh, and Canard. They love this stuff. And Fly Racing continues to develop and improve its light hydrogen racewear line through constant feedback from its amateur and pro athletes. With the end goal always being to create the lightest, most breathable racewear in the market. As well, you team up the light hydrogen racewear with the F2 carbon helmet. Same helmet right out of the box that these guys wear. Millsaps, Baggett, Pike, Canard. Uh, the F2 Carbon is an out-of-the-box and on-the-racetrack race-ready helmet. F2 available in 10 graphic styles, 22 colorways. Probably done that in, or, on our, in honor of Chad Reed. Uh, to local authorized Fly Racing dealer, flyracing.com. Uh, best gear out there, bro. And we thank the folks from Fly for, uh, for coming on. Also, to Race Tech and, uh, and Michelin. They have a commercial later on halfway through that. We thank those guys also. All right, let's get right into Minneapolis Supercross. Like I said, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, he's a German Supercross champion. He's a Montreal Supercross champion. He raced in Canada. He's raced in Mexico. Uh, he is Jason Thomas. Yeah, I raced a couple times. Yeah, just a, just a little bit. Yeah, he's held just about every number in the 30s, folks. Just about everyone. Jason Thomas. Yeah, I think I had like 17 national numbers or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not as many as like Barry Carson. I'm sure he had more. No, but had a couple. Uh, from FlyRacing.com, by the way, JT, uh, uh, following Bob's Cycle Supply in Minneapolis, a, a good old time dealer, close to my heart, being uh, not that far away, and you and Andrew Short dropping in and making visits. I was there Friday. I was. Uh, I beat Jimmy to the punch. Jimmy was blowing him up, but I was there. You, I was there before you, Jimmy. When you bring in Andrew Short, what happens? Do people know, or do people go, like, who who is this guy? Yeah, no, they uh, they posted on their Facebook and their websites and stuff that we were coming by from uh, like ten thirty to eleven thirty, something like that. So uh, he did some autographs, and we both did some interviews, and uh, it was kind of normal business hours for them, but there was. Uh, there were still quite a few people there. I mean, it's the day before Supercross, and it yeah. was the record high on Friday. So people were out and about spending money. And Shorty being Shorty, probably unpacked some boxes in the back. He probably helped straighten some some racks up. Probably <laughs> no, no. I mean, but he's great at uh, you know he's he's been doing this for so long, and he's so personable. He's he's really good at that. Yes. Uh, um, all right. Also on the line, the voice of a GNCC, the voice of Enduro Cross, the voice of American Motocross, the voice of Quad Racing, the voice of Geneva Supercross. Sometimes voice of NASCAR, Jason Wygant. Yeah. What's up? 
voice of American flat track racing now, too, man. Oh, did you lock that deal down? Wow. Last week? I think so. Okay, all right. Yeah. Last week you were working on it, but I don't know if you locked it in. But Brad Baker, I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling confident, feeling confident. I had the typical the typical contenders, typical uh-huh. competitors. Uh, but the, I think uh, this factory, one I managed uh, to outfox everybody. <laughs> we have the factory Indian team. If you're wondering, just for your own yeah, little, yeah, there is. I don't know. I, I think info. here's what's happened with flat track. Somehow, I think people think that hipsters are starting to identify this as one of their things this type of motorcycle and this type of competition. So suddenly people are jumping on board. Um, it's hard to know. The hipsters are ahead of the curve, so it's hard to be ahead of them to set the trap. But uh, people think this is where it's going to be for the hipsters, and there could be money in this. So suddenly brands are coming on hot and heavy into flat track, which they haven't done in about 50 years. Fly racing, the official gear of the Indian motorcycle flat track team, everybody. Um, <laughs> why can't before we get started... Can you tell that we all know how frugal you and your family are? This happens all the time. You're, you're nothing you're ashamed of. You speak about it often. Uh, Can you explain your dad's refusal to eat at a certain establishment to not pay these prices? Well, it's very, very high end, though. I mean, you got to understand this is a very, <laughs> this is practically like a Clinton family fundraiser per plate levels uh, of cost here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I hadn't seen my dad since April last year which is the New Jersey Supercross. Uh, he's had some uh, family drama going on up here in Jersey, so he hasn't been able to visit. It's hard for me to get up here because I've got two kids who don't travel well. Uh, but we made it happen on this four-day President's Day weekend. We did hang out with him a bit on Friday morning, and then we were going to go to lunch at the International House of Pancakes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of this place. No, I have I not. Hop- no, no. Yeah, I hopped. Oh, well, I mean, again, very ritzy. International. Yeah, yeah international, uh, right. Yep. But he did not go. Uh, too expensive. That was a quote from him. Too expensive. Well, it was like, hey, we're going to go to IHOP. I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) The sentence wasn't even completed. I'll I'll catch up to you guys after. Not going to pay those prices that IHOP wants. Just not going to do it. Nah, that $6.99 pancake breakfast with with, uh, bacon and eggs. Nah, you can probably have a bologna sandwich. (laughs) Tell you what, though, next time you talk to your dad, they have some all-you-can-eat options where I think he could could – Probably box them up, like order a couple more, like your, you know, your 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 son, and maybe you get an extra order, and then you could box it yeah. up, and yeah. you, could, you could divvy that out for a few. I uh, I did discuss the all you can eat pancake uh, deal, which they did have. I think it's over now, but I actually went to an IHOP when I was in Dallas last weekend. And I was like, all oh, you can eat pancakes. This is amazing. So I mentioned that to him, and he's like, yeah, but it's like three ninety nine or four bucks. He's like, pancakes are bread. Do you know how cheap it is? Still making a profit off that. <laughs> Breaking it down. Still. Yeah, it's not really that good a deal. Um, are you ever coming back to the races, Wygant? Uh, I have to come to Atlanta because uh, I got to visit the, the original and still best uh, internet motocross show and podcast out there. Oh. DMXS Radio. So I'll be in Atlanta. Uh, you know, I love those guys. Got to support them. Yeah. No, I, I get it, man. I understand. For sure. They're the original. They got a media empire. They got a media. They do great audio work. You really want to get the inside scoop from all the riders. That's where you need to be. I he, I see that they're Very doing hard hitting. They're hard doing hitting. a um, they're doing a Friday arena cross show. Um, I've done that before. I just passed on some advice. Uh, don't say anything bad about arena cross. Don't question anything, and you guys will get along fine. If you bring up anything about arena cross negative, you will get clipped from that show. So, 
Just, uh, is this from personal experience? You've yes, learned this? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Oh, okay. very, okay. very angry when you question <laughs> RC's road to Supercross oh, uh, and, oh, and, and exactly what's going on with that. But I like my case as for them not really giving a shit uh, about what they say they do. I, I, I like my case in a court of public opinion. But it was fun. It was fun while it lasted. The Arena Cross, the Amzoil Arena Cross Series. Um. I am excited about this weekend, though. I'll, I'll be going Friday night to go check it out, uh, as will, I imagine, you two guys. It'll be interesting to yep. see how it goes. I cannot believe they're not letting the Arena Cross guys race the Supercross. It is mind-blowing to me that some teams complained. Uh, there's also a bit of a rule about not racing the track before, but uh, uh, big deal. You're not really racing the whole track. You're going to have two lanes of it open. Press day. Uh, for the factory guys, uh, also, they ride the rhythms also on press day. So it's really not a huge difference. And as usual, we can't have nice things happen uh, and because of just, I don't know, just stupidity. I, I cannot, like, I would love to see Gavin Faith, Jace Owen line up on 250s and see what they can do. But nope. Why would you want to do that? Well, they clearly dominate because of the extra track time on Friday. They just went. Oh. They would just win. No problem. They would just win. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely see, you know, I'm, I'm sure it would be Owen, Faith, Blows, just one, two, three. Gurky. Because that track time. Yeah. That's track time. Gurky. Hey, JT, were you around when they switched? I don't remember what years. You were there when they went from Friday and Saturday practices Supercross to just Saturday, obviously, right? Whenever that happened. We just, I was around like 20 years ago. So, yes. You were around like every single okay. era ever, pretty much? <laughs> well, I was going to the races starting in like the early to mid '80s. So, if you really want to get technical, it's been a really long time. You, you were there cheering the 1990 Atlanta Supercross. You can be seen cheering, correct? <laughs> Documented. Oh, that's so good. RJ taking the lead and young JT. <laughs> Anywho, okay. So you were there in '05 or whatever year it was, and the last time they had Friday practice. What, do you remember what year they yeah. switched to eliminate Friday practice? Uh, it would have been mm, no '04, '03. Like it was way. Before. I was the mechanic still. Okay, I want to say it was anyway. 05. Long story short, as long as you were there for both, do you remember like the next year, like the year they stopped having Friday practice? Was it like, oh my god, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing out here? <laughs> Is that a big a deal at all? No, to be honest with you, um, I think most guys, you know, because there, there were weekends when either weather or stadium difficulties or there would be some weekends where they would cancel Friday altogether. And there was just huge sigh of relief from all the riders. Like, oh, man, this is awesome. One less day because Friday was such a, a momentous waste of time. You would get up and you would do nothing because you had to fly in Thursday. Then you get there, you know, you're there Thursday night, you go to dinner, you wake up Friday, you're waiting around your hotel all morning Friday. Then practice wasn't until maybe like 1 p.m. on Friday. You were there from like 1 to 4, and then you have Friday night again, you go to dinner. Then you wake up Saturday, and it's a normal Saturday morning, you're kind of waiting around again, you go to the track. It was just this huge waste of time. And honestly, with the way, you know, the sports evolved, the rider skill levels evolved, these guys have the track figured out within, I don't know, 20 minutes of riding, 15 minutes of riding. And with that Friday added in, I mean, we were riding on the track, you know, an hour, hour and a half before we ever raced on it. So uh, I, I would say on a travel 
on a travel front, and then as far as people being home with their families, and then just the amount of riding that was, you were just basically doing motos almost on Friday, like part of your training. Um, I think most riders were, were more than happy to give up that Friday practice. I don't know where you're going with this, but I know from a rider's standpoint, we were happy when it got canceled, and then it was a huge plus for us when it went away completely. Well, I mean, I think it's obvious where I'm going. You know from experience that having ridden the track Friday, riding the track Friday, the whole track, which won't even be done at the Ray Cross, riding the whole track Friday doesn't give you a massive leg up on Saturday. Anyway. No, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. I think the only time where it's even had any sort of effect whatsoever is, is in these abbreviated schedules, like when the rain in California I think then right. it became a little bit touch and go because, I mean, they were getting maybe like 14, 15 minutes total on the track before the heat race. Yeah. And that stuff I can understand. And really it wasn't so much, I think, you know, Eli had made comments about it. I don't even think it was so much about trying to run the track, but I think it was trying to make like last minute bike changes. They really had no time to sort the bike out at all for that those conditions when it was, you know, rainy or soft or whatever. Um, but as far as like learning a track, these guys are so good and so adept. They they pick it up so quickly. It doesn't really matter. I, I yeah, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, I just I, I'm so just pissed off about this. But I, I don't know. I, you guys even care? Do you care, JT Weege? I mean, do you guys? Am I? Um... We talked about it last week. Yeah, I think it's stupid. We talked about this in the East Coast. Was it up in the two we did? preview? Yeah. Did, did we? Oh, yeah. Okay. We already visited this five days ago or something. All right, whatever. I, I'm still mad, and I'm still going to talk what about you, it. What are you mad about? Nothing. Forget it. All right. Um. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. So, Minneapolis. Series comes back to Minneapolis. Flyracing.com. Racetracks podcast. Uh, nice to see the... Series come back to Minneapolis. A lot of fond memories for myself there. And a good awesome. good crowd, JT, and a good stadium. What a stadium that place is. There, there's not many stadiums where I drive up and I'm genuinely impressed. And I know that's privilege and all kinds of things. You could, you know, you could throw all kinds of cliches in there about me not being impressed by stadiums. But the fact of the matter is we've all been in these stadiums a lot and we've seen a lot. And we've been all over the world to these races and not a lot impresses us. And I'm... I'm just saying that's just reality. You know, we're, we're very fortunate. But I was genuinely impressed when I drove up. I mean, that stadium is legit. Um, so, yes, there were issues. I mean, I heard complaining from people about the pit situation and parking and Yeah, that all kind of sucked. It did suck, but what are you going to do? It, yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but I think to have that nice of a stadium downtown where everyone can, you know, you can stay at your hotel, you can just walk over. I think it's pretty awesome, honestly. You know, I, there's going to be compromise. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Sorry if you build a, you know, a, a massive stadium that big downtown. Yeah, parking is going to be an issue. That's just how it is. I guess it's but, uh, Bruce Sternstrom from Cali was telling me it's like basically two Metro Domes. Yeah, I mean, you look at it. It's just like the just like AT and T Stadium in, in you know Arlington. They're they're massive. The overall footprint is so much bigger than a dome built you know 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, but you know we reap the benefits once we're inside. I mean, you look at the concessions, to the facilities, the press box, to everything. I mean, the place is amazing. Track was not amazing. Track was no. bad. Track was, I mean, the soft dirt, the the, the layout. Uh, but you could see it. You could see it on paper. And, yeah. and I know you probably don't read my staging area column, but we does. And 
I could see it on paper. Like it, it was weak. It was a weak design. It was easy. There was nothing difficult. Guys were going to figure it out in one practice. And I think that's preventable. That's that's the unfortunate thing is when I can when I can diagnose a track on paper as saying, yeah, this is going to be easy. Don't you think that's fixable? You know, we're not even at the race yet. Where those things are built during the summer. Dude, I don't know what they were. I don't know, like, look, we've given them props this year on good tracks. Glendale was a great track. I thought Oakland was a good track. If it was, you know, if it had been dry, I thought the design yeah, of it and everything. I mean, but, when you deserve credit, give credit. You know, like, no, everyone, I, I would I would hope everyone does that. You know, give credit where it's due, but when it's not due, um, I, I think you kind of have to be honest. I tracked blue chunks. Good God! I don't complain about the tracks much, but dude, it was so bad. Like, I just want to—I just want to have like a—I wish there was a press conference with them. And when you have these ninety-degree corners, and there were a lot, just be like, "What do you think will happen in these ninety-degree corners? What is the plan in these 90s? You know, there's no chance at all to do any passing whatsoever. Poor Zacho even had that cool line through the dragon's backs, but it really didn't help because there was a ninety after it. And you can see it on paper. Maybe get side by side, but passing. The 90s just kill it. It just kills it. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. And that's the most frustrating part is that you can see that on paper. That's completely diagnosable by anyone who's been doing this a really long time. You can look at a track design and say, man, this isn't going to work. You know, that that's the frustrating part, you know, to not fix it beforehand, before it's too late and you're, you know, putting dirt into a stadium already. Well, what's going you know on? What might help? Yeah. You know, it might help. The problem in the 90 turns is that, you know, there's no incentive to do anything but just hit the apex because they don't have berms on the outside. So it's not like you can go outside at a 90 and jump something that a guy on the inside couldn't. If they would set up nets on the outside so they could make berms, you could Mm -hmm. make those 90s raceable. Mm -hmm. Just theory. theory. Mm -hmm. Tell me some more. Tell me. Just just something something that came to me in a vision. I mean, honestly, you're right. The outsides of the track could use a bull berm, and maybe that would help a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit of a help, but nope, can't do that. But, but I think I think that, that, you know, the areas where it became so one-lined, I don't think – I think in general the nesting has some merit because you can build the berms again. But in some of these sections, you know, where Osborne had the line through the dragon back, a berm on the outside is going to do, do you no good because everyone was kind of floating through the inside. It was too fast. And then the next, you know, that steep double into the sand – a berm's going to know you do, do you no good because everybody was cutting across the inside again, you know? So I think the nets have a place. I just don't know how much it would have helped with this particular layout because, you know, jumping from the outside to the inside and then cutting across the inside, these bikes have so much traction now with the four strokes and then the electronics added into that. that they don't they don't always need a berm. So a berm's almost going to be a waste of dirt sometimes out there. Um, can, can anybody tell me what they were doing putting rollers on the outside of the sand section on the outside where you already don't want to go up there because it's longer it's further and they went and put some rollers on the outside only outside half of it Does anybody know what was going on there why would you do that it, it was tough though to get back to the inside because if you if you made the outside flat that's where it carried you the turn carried you to the outside so if you would have made the outside flat it would have just been one big burn well Better that than than force people to go to the outside berm uh, instead of slowing down so much to make the inside, and maybe a guy can cut inside and cut you and, and race you to the berm to block past you. Well, I think they were trying. What they were hoping, I think, was for people to have to break land off the double and break hard and go to that inside and miss those bumps 
or someone could carry speed through the outside that they had to navigate this. Dude, bump. they would have had to have been so, Mach 5 to pass on that outside. That's what they would have had to uh, It happened, though. People made passes on the outside there. Come on, stop it. Nobody made passes. They did. Oh, well, maybe, so, I mean, of course, somebody did at some point, but no. People went and braked, braked a little bit, set up on the inside, drifted to the middle, and then made the, went inside the next turn. And then that was it. I'll tell you the only way, and, the, and this is like high level, obviously, track builders understand this, but this is to really break down how to fix a section like that. It's tough because on a supercross, you don't have enough room. But really, the only way to fix that is to bring the inside of the inside hay bale further down so people can't cut across the inside there mm-hmm. because they weren't making a hard apex at all. No. They were basically just cutting across the inside. If the track's wider, and you can bring that inside hay bale further into the turn, then it makes a sharp apex, and then people have to actually turn. Then it actually is fixed. Then you can make a berm on the outside, or people can try to stay inside, and then there's two race lines. But when the inside hay bale is that far inside, then it changes everything. But that's the challenge of super rush tracks. They don't have enough dirt. They don't have enough force space, and then it gets narrow. Yeah, and again, 26 laps this week, and the track broke down badly. Badly. Yeah, it did. Like it, this, it really did. This is starting to be a bit of an issue. Guys are telling me it's unsafe. Guys are telling me it's sketchy. Guys are telling me, you know, it's Supercross is hard enough to, without worrying about the track taking you out, never mind other riders and the actual real jumps, you know? Um, I, have to, I have to mention, though, if you went back, and I know it's obviously this argument's been made throughout history and whatever you're talking about, but if you went back and looked at Supercross tracks from – I don't know, pick a year, 1992, 1997, 2001. The tracks in the main events were horrific, you know, that they were, and you had to slow down. You know, I, that's just, that was part of it. And I know we've gotten away from that with, you know, the, the track builders have gotten so good with the dirt and they've gotten so good at keeping it perfect and working on it all day. But, man, like, go watch a race film from a, a, a main event in 96 when McGrath was dominating. The track was Terrible in the main event. Terrible. I don't know if it would be when you add the horsepower and torque of four fifties and two fifties compared to those bikes. I don't know. No, I know. I'm just saying the track though. The track itself. There's only so much you can do with dirt. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Dirt's going to break down. That's never going to change. How about you put some more on it? How about you make you buy more dirt? Yeah, the the plywood thing down to the plywood is. I mean, it's an age old problem. You know, I, I I don't can't remember many Supercross main events on soft dirt that we didn't get down to the plywood. Um, but if you go back, pick a race, like pick uh, Seattle 96, because it's fresh in my mind, with Damon Huffman and McGrath are going back-to-back. Go watch that race and see how bad the track was. I mean, it was terrible, terrible. I mean, the guys were barely doing the jumps. Like, they, would, they weren't even doing the rhythm section, you know? And I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying it's not a new problem. So it's a new problem for these, for a lot of guys now. You know, for Eli Tomac, he didn't face that back then. So, of course, he's not going to be thrilled. But it's not a new problem in the in the sport. It's just you know, the, it's a new problem at times now because the track builders have gotten so good. All right, Eli Tomac, three for four last week had a had a had a problem. Uh, Weege, he was great, man. He was really really good, fast all day long, fast in every practice, and uh, man, he he that that finish last week in Dallas that uh, that. You know, pulling the mechanics area, the front brake problem, that might be something that he looks back at the end of the year. Because right now he looks like he's ready to ready to rip, ready to go on a bit of a streak here. 
and that Dallas thing might just hold them up and, and be massively regretful. Well, obviously, it's 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 pretty big to lose. You know, he could have. I don't know if he would have won last week, but you have to figure he'd have been on the podium, right? Yeah. So, and he got I think fifteenth. Um, so you're looking at a dozen points or so that he lost, which is obviously big. But uh, we'll see how much it's going to matter because I know that everyone's looking at Dungey having a nice size points lead, uh, even over Marvin, and then I think Tomac's twenty four down. But. Uh, my buddy Jeff Emig used to say it all the time, and he won a lot of close titles. He'll pick momentum over points all day long. 24 points over, you know, we're not even halfway through. You know, we're like two-thirds of the way through. That sounds bad, but it's not. I mean, remember Davey Millsap's points lead back in 13? And Millsap's didn't start DNFing races. Uh, Tomac made up five, just like that. Three of these in a row, you know, Dungey just getting third and him winning, which is completely realistic. You know, he'll, he'll take 15 right out of that. And then we'll be down at nine. So I I wouldn't look at the twenty four points as dude. What is he going to do? How is he going to dig out of this hole? He can easily get out of this hole if you can win races and you're the fastest guy and you have momentum on your side. It's really hard to be stopped. This is a strange situation for someone to have a big points lead and not be the best guy this early in the season. Like to get that big a points lead but not be the best guy is bizarre. So this is really hard to predict right now, and I don't think Tomac is in nearly as big a hole as the, the piece of paper that says 24 points would tell you. I um, I said this weekend would be big for Dunn. She'd want to, you know, win in his hometown and we want to make a statement. And I still thought, he, you know, I wasn't quite sure if there was something quote-unquote wrong with him, if he was off the pace compared to his usual amazing self. But it's official. It's official, folks. Uh, Marvin caught Ryan from – now, Ryan almost had a – a big get-off and everything else. But, you know, not like the Marvin probably didn't have some issues also. Marvin was probably 10 seconds down, 12 seconds down at one point. I yet to watch the race. And he caught Dunge and and sprinted away from him. And, JT, Dunge's got an issue here. He's got a problem. This, this I was on the fence about it, and I'm not putting any panic buttons on it. But, um, yeah, not good again for Dunge. Yeah, and Marv, Marv said on your, you know, Pulp MX podcast you a post race pod he said six was the highest gap there was so i I don't know um that was just what he said i think six was when he got into third okay well yeah i mean all right um but yeah i mean have we ever considered and i know this is premature don't freak out don't lose your mind fans listen to this podcast don't email me please don't comment something that's going to make me comment back um, have we ever considered a panic button for a person with a 15-point lead before? <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not doing that. No, no. Have we ever even considered it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, um, I'm just saying, it's the first time they could ever even be like, hey, you might want to start digging through, the, digging through your uh, drawer there. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Something's wrong. Something is wrong. I will go on record. If if Ryan wants to ask me, why'd you say something's wrong? It's because that's what I think. Something is wrong. Something I, I've never seen this from Ryan. I've never seen him go backwards in my life in a race. I've never seen Ryan Dungey look tired and go backwards. That's it. Never, never before have I ever yeah. seen that happen. And I've been on like top level teams, uh, and I've seen kind of stuff that goes on. Like Marvin beating. Yeah, Marvin beating Dunge the last two weeks, catching him, 
uh, this week and passing him. Like, I, again, Ryan seems, Ryan seems like a nice guy. Seems like a good guy. But uh, let me tell you, if they keep doing this, there's going to be tension and issue at the, at the Baker factory. There just will be. Marvin's the nicest guy ever. Dunge seems pretty nice. But maybe the entourages or the friends or anything else, Alden Baker will try his best to uh, to keep everything you know level. But uh, two guys going for a championship at that level, things will get tense. That's absolutely. Did you see Marv get aggressive? Yeah, yeah, Marv got. The oh yeah, Marv got really aggressive there. Yeah, I was, I was actually surprised. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I knew. I knew with the momentum he had, he was probably going to be able to make a move. You know, there were still like four or five laps left, and he was coming too fast. But he, he got aggressive. I mean, he went, a, he cut across that turn, which people were doing. But I didn't see him doing that to Ryan. And if if I'm Ryan, I'm kind of like, hey man, like, you know, it's me. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Like, pass, make the pass. But that was, uh, I almost expected a retaliatory move from Ryan after that. But I just don't think he had anything left to give by then. What do you think, Weege? This most intriguing part of it is. I agree with JT. I think something's up. I don't. The sport is too consistent. Guys don't just have slumps. Uh, there's just too much data here. Uh, Dunge's first three races were good. You know, first race was pretty good. Second race was great. Battle with Kenny, and then won the third one. And he hasn't been that good since. That's too much data. That's not. Guys don't go through shooting slumps like NBA three pointers. You don't just have five bad races in a row. And again, bad is podium, but. Like you said, we've never seen this out of Ryan Dungey, even before Alden Baker, even when he wasn't winning the title. We haven't seen things quite like this. So I agree with JT that I think something's up. And here's the problem. If something's up, and I think it is, I don't know what it is, but you know they don't want anyone to know about it. They definitely don't want Eli Tomac to think for one second, I'm down 24 points, but we got this guy because he's got issue whatever, fill in the blank. But here's the problem. There is no way if he has an issue that Muscan is not going to know. They are teammates and training partners. They see each other every day, and they work out of the same truck, and they share the same trainer. So if there is something wrong, I'm pretty sure something is up. Uh, I'll tell you what. How does Muscan not know? And then how does Muscan and everybody else keep it quiet so this other dude, Tomac, also doesn't find out? This is so strange. I'll tell you what, though. Um, he Dunge, at press conference in Minneapolis, Took it well. Took the, the third place well. Seemed okay with it. Said, yeah, I just made some mistakes, man. Marvin's riding great. You know, I kind of lost you know, Eli. Like, he was... you know something's wrong, it's easier to accept, I think. Would you agree with that? When you're when, when everything's quick, when everything's like 100% and you're just like, man, what am I doing wrong out there? You get frustrated. When you know there's something up, I think it's a little bit easier because you're like, yeah, well, you know, we got we're dealing with these issues, and that's what's going to happen. You know, it's my issues. Kind of are, are you thinking like a mono or Epstein bar? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know, but I've never. I can tell you this: I've never seen Ryan Dungey fade and lose positions because it looked like he was tired before. In my life, him racing, you know, he's been around for ten years now. Never have I ever seen that happen before, and I saw it. I saw it with my own two eyes this weekend. Because at the beginning of that race, he was coming for Tomac. He was on the pace, and I was like, "Man, we got a race here. We got a race brewing." Because Dungey's spicy. Like he has some, he has some raw speed right now. I don't know if he's going to make a move on Tomac, but he's the only one that can go with him right now. And then he didn't have that at all. I mean, it went, it went south and went south badly. Where 
Marvin caught him and he had nothing to fight with. Like he didn't even try to he didn't even try to make a move back on Mark. It was just like, yep, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, part of the problem too is, and you said he, you know, he had the speed in the main, and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue about that because he he kind of did, but that's been a problem in qualifying. Is he, we're seeing pre Alden Baker qualifying from Ryan Dungey. You know what I mean? Not getting out there and laying down the laps and grabbing a pole position or whatever. He's, he's qualifying uh, 5.9 average. There's uh, three other guys that are better than that uh, average qualifying spot this year. So that's been a bit strange, too, because since he started working with Alden, he's been laying, you know, laying down laps in practice that puts him near the top or at the top. So something's up with that, yeah, too. I, I, yeah, I, I think so. Um but even in like in a T race, he was good. He he came from pretty far back and was trying to get belt taps and, and missed the finish line jumper. I think he would have got him on the last lap. Um, and I thought he looked pretty good in time qualifying. He he didn't have the great lap, but he came out really aggressive in the untimed one. He looked fast, but I still go back to I've never seen him look vulnerable late in the race. I mean that's usually like dungy time. You know if if you want to go at him late in the race, good luck to you. You know. And he yeah. had nothing. That was that was the biggest telltale sign I've seen all season long, to where I was like, "Oh man, we, you know, Houston, we have a problem here," because that is very unRyan Dungey like well, uh, to struggle that late in the race. Look, Millsaps is riding good, but we saw what happened to him in the main event. He he did not have a good main event. He went back backwards fast. When does Ryan Dungey not just ride on by Davy Millsaps? You can give Millsaps credit, and he has been riding well, but you know. Well, when does he not blow by Dean Wilson, you know, yeah. at Arlington, too? Yeah. yeah, same thing. Yeah. So, yep. Should be interesting to see what happens from here. And I'm interested in the dynamic if Marv keeps keeps beating him. So One thing I can promise you is that we probably will never know. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> we'll probably never know what's wrong. Yep. Uh, Anderson? No. One, one thing I just want to say, if anyone listening to this show, if anyone thinks – Oh, well, he's got the points lead. He's just riding smart to protect it. Just just turn whatever MP3 playing device you have right now, just turn it off. That's what you think. No one manages a points lead. No one sits on, ah, oh, I got 17, 11 races to go. I'm good. I'll just take thirds. Nothing gets me madder than that kind of math. I'll well, remind you again. And, and he lost five points in one weekend. Okay, he might say, when I have a big scare like that, I'll take third, but he is not going into the races wanting to do anything but win them. The goal is yeah, not to somebody, get third or second because he has a points lead. The goal is to win the races. And all you have to do is look at what he did last year when he had an even bigger points lead and he kept riding his ass off and kept winning races. He's not trying to get third because he has a points lead. Maybe you do that in the last race of the year. But you don't do that yeah, around seven. Just to back you up, we somebody asked me that this morning that I, I work with in respect. And they're like, do you think, you think Dundee just mailed it in because he's got a cushion? I'm like, no. Like, I, I couldn't even look at him. Well, no, 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 no. Like, you don't do that in front of your home crowd. You don't let that guy get away and then Marvin pass you and then you settle for third. Never, ever, ever would he allow that to happen if he could do anything about it. Maybe Dungy's, no. I- maybe Dungy's yeah. issues that we're talking about, and I, and I wrote this last week in my column, I thought his bike looked like crap in uh, in Dallas. I just didn't like it in the whoops and just didn't look good. Um but maybe some of Dungey's issues aren't something's going on with him. He's the tra- and this goes back to what we were saying. The tracks are breaking down. Guys are telling me that they're sketchy and they're breaking down. So Dungey's out of his comfort zone, and it's not you know 
It's not working out. I don't know if that's it, if these time main events, something that we all thought Dunge would excel in. Maybe that's it. Maybe he's just not comfy pushing pushing on these tracks, you know? Yeah, I, I, I like that point only because I want to be clear that we don't know. It could be an injury. It could be the bike. It could be the time main event. It could be anything. We just think something's up. And, yeah, that's that could potentially be it. Anything could be it. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's impossible. I just don't I don't personally think that's it. I have no idea. I don't talk to anybody over there. You know, I shook Alvin's hand this weekend, but I have no idea what's going on over there. I'm just telling you what I see and – all of us have been around this sport, you know, the majority of our life, and we've obviously learned a lot. And I, I'm just telling you what I see and what I've deduced from it, and something is wrong. Well, Something's wrong over there. We know you don't go by there too much because Osborne said that uh, you were trashing him in the preseason, in the preview pod. I was. I picked him for third this weekend. He what just, did he get? He... <laughs> um, all right, Anderson has not been himself either a little bit, right? Like, I'm still waiting for a Jason Anderson moment. Now, you know, this weekend, I um, he came around the start. Uh, he was uh, fifth, so he wasn't great. But, I mean, you know, wasn't right in the mix. But still waiting for Anderson to just rip rip, rip some wins off here. I, I thought we'd I, I thought we'd see more by now. He, he got get- good. He well, only has one podium. Yeah, I mean, one podium. There's no way. Yeah. That's what. You know, he would have expected. I know, obviously, he lost an entire race with a DQ, and I, he considered it, you know, he was hurt uh, the next weekend, but, but still he was only one podium. 25 seconds off Dunge at the end. I'm like, wow. Wow. And Seeley, wow. who fell, got the whole shot and fell, Seeley was only four seconds back. So, you know, he was coming up. Um, so, yeah, not not a great race for Anderson, although he got fourth. And he, he, did, he did win the heat, though. Yep. Yep. That was a step in the right direction. Uh, Millsaps, JT, what do you know about Davey? Did he have issues? Did he have something going on? Was there? I didn't get to talk to him after the, the main event. Um, but yeah, obviously he, you know, great start. One heat and then in the main event, another great start. And I don't know. I, I would think on a track that was kind of breaking down like that, he would be pretty good. And I don't think he was terrible by any yeah. means. Um, but no, I, I don't have any insight. I didn't get to speak with him after. So, uh, I just kind of have to go off I... what we saw and, I was thinking podium. I'm like, I think he can get on the box. I was, I thought, I would think so, but from what I saw in the heat, man, the, you know, it's only six minutes, five five minutes plus one lap, and I was kind of thinking in my head, okay, he was great the first couple laps, and then by the six minute mark, Dungey was basically just swerving all over trying to get around him, and then I multiplied that times four, and I'm like, eh, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about this right now, so. Um, um. Yeah, it was just tough. It didn't seem like he had the. He he didn't seem like he felt comfortable or was able to hold that high level pace for that long or or was willing to because the track was sketchy, as we said. Tickle rode well, fourteenth to seventh. Uh, really good ride for Tickle. He did what Tickle does, and it's probably the first time we've seen that this year where we were just like, "Hey, look at that!" At the end of the race, you're like, "That he was really moving forward, man. He was riding well. He was killing everybody in the whoops, killing them." <laughs> Uh, he was. He was. He. Everybody was kind of jumping through, and he was going to the outside of the turn, and then he would blitz on the far right. And I watched him. He would. He would basically follow everyone until he got there, and then he would pass him right there. And then he would get to the next guy. He would close up on him, and then he would pass him right there. And I mean, it was brilliant strategy. You know, he rode really, really well. But he had that section so dialed. 
Kennard passed Baggett on the sixth lap, and then Baggett followed three feet behind Kennard for the next 20 laps. It was right there. And there was carnage going on everywhere, and those two were just riding right there in front of each other. Well, the crazy thing about that, and sorry, we should keep jumping in here, but the crazy thing about that battle was that those two were going at it, and they were, and and obviously, you know, uh, those are two fly riders for one, and then one of them, you know, works with a team that I work with, and then Trey is my, you know, number one fly rider as far as pay scale. So I'm watching that battle pretty closely. And I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching. They're kind of following each other, and it, but their pace is good. You know, they're moving forward. And then I see Marvin come up, and I'm like, holy crap, Marvin is lapping them. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, think about that. Like, those yeah. guys are going for it. Like, they're doing everything they can. Like, they're pushing their pace. Yeah. And they're both national champion riders. Like, you know, Baggett didn't win a Supercross championship, probably should have. Trey did. They both won national championships outdoors. And Marvin is coming around to lap them. Like they ha- that has to be so disheartening for them. And it just shows you how high the pace was at the very front of the pack. It, it was really uh, eye-opening for me. What do you make of Canard's return, Weech, two races back? Quiet, right? Yeah, but I think actually pretty good. Like, um, we might bring up another rider who made his return this weekend. You know, some of these returns after you miss a couple races, it's all over the map how it goes. But Although we have a few legendary stories of guys maybe coming back and immediately being up front, most of the time, it's not good. So I feel, based on the standards of guys coming back after missing a few rounds of injury at the beginning of the year, this has actually been good. Quiet, yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm not I saying think, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm I saying like a uh, surprise almost. Like at least he's not getting 18th or anything like that. He's he's doing well. He would have done better even last week. He had that crash where everybody else did. I think he's doing fine. Yeah, I'm not saying it. I'm just quiet. You don't see bursts of speed from him, but he's just steady, quiet, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I would think, like JT said, though, getting lapped, Trey's like, no, no, I, I'm not here to get lapped. Like, that doesn't happen, but, you know, just go yeah. to show you. Yeah, how I fa- agree. That, that, that's an excellent. Um, that, that really says a lot about these, how these races go sometimes. And uh, screw you, JT, because we nice. we debated uh, Barsha's comeback, JGR Suzuki, Justin Barsha's comeback, on our NFAB Fantasy show, and I'm like, come on, he's a top 12 guy. And you're like, I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, he's 12 is, 12th place is you know, not that hard for a guy like Barsha. And uh, uh, you were right. He was never going to get 12th. He was rusty. Um, yeah. I, you know? All I did was look at who was getting 11-12, and, and Tickle and those guys were fighting for it. I mean, they were going for it. And I'm not saying – that Justin Barsha is not a better rider than Tickle. I mean, they're on paper. He obviously has much more to show for it than, than uh, Brock Tickle does. But I was just watching the war that was going on for 10, 11, 12, and I knew that Barsha, you know, was going to work through some things. You know, he hadn't raced Supergrass in a while. He's on a brand-new bike, and, and that all played out. So I, I couldn't disagree that it was possible. I just didn't know how likely it was, and, and obviously we saw that it's not easy to jump into a series six races in. I mean, these guys are... These guys are firing right now, and they have their bikes sorted out. Where you know, Justin, every time I walked by the JGR truck, which I we were parked right next to him, every time I walked by, the bike was kind of torn apart, and they were making changes. So you could tell they were trying to work through mm-hmm. different different conditions and and softer dirt and all these things that you test on. And him and Reed got together. It was uh, nice it to reacquaint each other. Yeah, me and they've uh, always liked each other. Yeah, another one of our uh, industry friends and I were are having a little 
text battle over that. Um, but yeah, there was definitely some fireworks there. No matter which side of the of the uh, fence you're on, is, there were definitely fireworks. Is the bar show takeout of Chad on the TV show? No, I want you guys to explain that because uh, I saw you know you guys are texting and you're telling me what's happening, but it was. All you see on the TV show, I believe, is Barsha getting up in the sand and Chad running into him. I don't think, I don't, unless I missed it somehow, I don't think you have any idea that that had already started. Well, yeah, that, I right? never saw the Barsha pass on Chad that left JT upset. So, uh, so there I were two really incidents upset. before the sand. I mean, there was, yes. Barsha definitely uh, got aggressive with Chad and Chad was on the ground. So however you want to view that or interpret that, those are those are indisputable facts that Justin got aggressive and Chad was on the ground at the end of it. Uh, afterwards, the next lap, Justin crashed, and uh, my point was, and there were, you know, I was saying that Chad definitely hit him on purpose, and I stand by it. Um, other people were saying they didn't, but I will say, and this is undisputable, everyone else got around Barsha and was able to stop or move or take a different line. Other than Chad Reed, he had to hit him in both crash. And then Justin Barsha kicked at his bike. So I'm going to take what I saw and then take those facts, and I'm going to deduce that, you know, obviously Chad was very upset. Would he really uh, screw up his race? Or I mean, it was kind of screwed at that point anyways. But oh, he, was, he was in last. Uh, well, I know, but you're going to risk a bike problem yeah. or, or anything, just <laughs> run yeah. into a guy? You are, yes. And, and – uh, so then did you see Barsha's pass on Chad before the whoops where he braked early and pivoted and came across? I did not see that one, no. I didn't yeah, see that. it was, okay, so right before the whoops, Barsha, Chad's on the inside and goes to the rut. Justin breaks, makes a 90, and goes right across the track. There's no contact. Chad braked, but I'm like, oh, boy. Is that in the main event? Yeah. Is that in the main event? Yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay. oh, boy. So yeah, I, <laughs> I was trying to watch that, but there was some other stuff going on, and I kept looking back and forth, but I didn't see that. Yeah. But. I thought we I thought it was on, but then Barsha kind of rolled pulled away a little bit from Chad, and then and then went down, and Chad crashed. Chad passed him, and then Chad went down, and JT Chad Reed's not riding well right now. He was very unhappy. Not after the race, not going well. I wanted to ask very him. To, I wanted to ask him to come on the uh, Pulp Mech show. I am not going to send that text. Uh, I would. I would probably refrain. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he's looking out for you. I want that's for you. I, I wrote last week. Idea. I wrote last week, like, hey, he's been had some bad, shitty, shitty starts, and and some stuff happened, but his lap times are pretty good, and he's, you know, he's not in the, he's not a podium pace, but his lap times are better than that. Not this weekend. <laughs> not this weekend. He was never good at all. Well, he was on the board for five minutes at one point, but um, yeah, rough deal for the twenty-two right now. Yeah, something's got to change with this softer situation for him. It's just whether it's mental or whether it's his setup or whether it's bike characteristics, I don't know. I'm just telling you, when the tracks have been soft, it's, it equals a bad weekend for Chad. So he's got to figure that out um, because we're not going to get away from soft tracks for a little bit here. You know, we've got three, four, five in a row coming up, maybe more. Uh, Atlanta, Toronto, Daytona. In the Detroit, St. Louis. That's oh, a lot God. of tough in a row. Seattle. <laughs> after that, after the break. Some, something's got to change here. Um, do I rummage around that drawer a little bit, Weege? What, what's the drawer? Where the, Panic button. Where the button oh. is? Panic button? Yeah. You know what I think Chad needs to do? 
What? Start his own team. Start his own team. <laughs> I think if he would do that, he could revitalize himself I, and, and win some races and, and prove everybody wrong and, and be a title contender. I think he should. Just a theory I have, along with the Nets. Um, just some theories I have. I think he should get hammered on Friday night again. Try that. <laughs> he did bring Ellie back this weekend. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, emergency call in for the wife to, to come in and help. Well, and, and she does. She definitely has an impact on him because. I, I know, you know, Mathis, you know this, but trying to tell Chad Reed to do anything or, or change his mind on anything is, is a waste of time. But he listens to Ellie, and, and so he should. It's his wife. Um, and, I, you know, I know she kind of was like, hey, I, no one listens. You know, he doesn't listen to anybody like he does me. I just think whatever is going on with him on these soft tracks is not working, and, and obviously Ellie yeah. is, is trying to help that. But, man, it's it's frustrating as a friend to watch him out there struggling like he is. Uh, props to Michael Essie, tenth place. Mike is like an outdoor moto for him. Twenty six laps, rough, <laughs> ruddy. Just put in the put in the laps. Tenth place, nice work. It was pretty good though. Did you watch him closely? Like I watched him, and he had some guys come up on him, and then they fell back, and mm-hmm. he was good. Like Mookie was trying. Mookie was trying like hell. To catch him after he got up, because Mookie crashed, he was in yeah. eighth or ninth. And he crashed and got up, and actually Mookie was riding pretty well. And he was trying to catch Alessi, and he couldn't. He Dean, did not catch Dean, him. Dean also, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, so I mean, we take a lot of shots at Mike, but deep down, Mike's a good, good guy. He's grown up a lot, um, but he rode well. I, good for him. He he was solid. The reason I said that about him was because I watched some of his turns, and they were ruddy. Outdoor motocross turns some of those things in the sand, and he was killing it. He's just just burying it. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh wow, it's like the full motocross for Mike right here. Yeah, and he was able to jump through the whoops and find a rhythm. Yep. You know, and that that takes some pressure off of him. So yeah, it's good for him. I, I he's he's obviously winding down in his career. You know, he's been out there a long time. So uh, good weekends like that are good for him. You know, he he means well. Weege, JT gets so angry when Vince gets a whole shot like he did in that heat race. I mean, there was no doubt. I don't think he's the only one. He's not the only one. Vince was holding people up. They were they, there was a a noticeable gap from whoever got by Vince to to Vince. But I mean, guy can start. The guy can start. He can. He's a great starter. I will never take that away from him. He's one of the best starters I've ever seen ever. He's on a production based bike, you know, Motor Concepts, and he's yard and factory bikes. He's been doing that. You know what he reminds me of? Go ahead, JT. No, I I was just saying he's been doing that ever since he came on the scene. 2009. Yeah. He kind of reminds me, when you watch him with the the start and then the guys trying to get around him, it's like uh, watching the NBA and there's certain guys that are known. It's not – they just know how to – they know how to do things that are not fouls. They're not wrong necessarily. They're like all in the gray area. And he'll just – I'm trying to remember who it was. Marvin or somebody was behind him and caught him at the end of the whoops, and Vince just slowed down just enough going into the corner yeah. to just make sure the dude would be stuck outside of him. Yep, yep, yep. You know, I saw that's that. not dirty. That's not cross-jumping. That's not taking dudes out. But there's all those little things. And, yeah, you add them all up, and then you see that train behind him of dudes trying to get around him. Plus, plus I I think most of the guys probably are like, oh, I might want to give this guy a little extra room. Like, I don't want to get that close. Mm-hmm. He also, there's the other side of it. He can also plunge the knife completely. Um, 
just little tricks like that to keep the dudes behind him. You'll see him get on the brakes just the right time so the guy can't cut underneath in a berm. I mean, he's just good at it. And I have to say that in other sports, you get a paycheck for that, for, you know, hey, I might not be the fastest dude here, but I know little ways to get away with stuff so I can keep keep those checks coming in and stay in the league. Um, kind of where your mind. Yeah. Does, does Millsaps get a heat race bonus, I wonder? He does. He better, dude. Okay. Then it's he should. He, from the he better. I don't know how much KTM. Right. I know, I know he does. Okay. Well, he, he should write Vince a little piece of that because <laughs> he was well, holding. Yeah, and that's. When I started bitching, it was because he was he parked Dungey one time, and I'm like, "Come on, man! Like you're not going to be Dungey. Like I get uh, it. You you're never riding know. well. You're a great starter, but you're not going to be Dungey. It's Ryan uh, Dungey. You never know. I'll, I'll take that bet every. Time. You know the, the 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 guy the the Greek guy with the battle with the Achilles. Uh, what was that guy's name? Achilles. <laughs> Against who? Who was he fighting? The heel. It's an Achilles heel. He didn't have the yeah. Achilles. He, gets, he, gets, he, gets, he takes an arrow to his heel, and he's stuck, and he can't fight, and he gets killed, and that's how it becomes Achilles' heel. Okay, but wait. He fights some big creature, that guy. Goliath? That was David Goliath. Achilles gets Achilles and Goliath? Do I, have Achilles and, do I have Achilles and a David and Goliath mixed up? Maybe, but okay. Achilles... That's how it becomes Achilles' heel, because he gets shot in the heel okay. like, right through it, and he can't move, and he gets killed. Okay, so that's not what I'm talking about, because that would be Vince getting killed. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm talk- we can talk about that if you'd like. Um, I'm, talking about asterisks, <laughs> I'm talking about asterisks and obelix. No, I'm kidding. Um, all right, well, let's move on. Let's go to commercial. Talk 250s. It's already 52 minutes in. Uh, all right, listen to this commercial from the folks at, at Racetech. Use the code to save at Racetech.com for motors and engine work. As well, Michelin Star Cross 5, brand new tire from those bros. And uh, so listen to this and uh, commercials, and then we'll be right back with uh, some hot, wet 250 Supercross talk. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on RacerX. I want to talk to you a little bit about Racetech. The folks at Racetech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PULPMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right? If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Racetech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Racetech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now. Valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Hi, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hear the motocross stuff. Fair enough. 
let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet? You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Dune Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. And we're back! FlyRacing.com, Fly Racing, Racer X Podcast, Minneapolis Supercross Review. I'm Mathis, uh, Jason Thomas, and Jason Wygant on the line with me. All right, 250 East kicked off, and Joey Savacci won, which is kind of what we were saying in the preview. We thought he was a favorite. Um, we thought he was, um, you know, going to ride really well and everything else. But I would say, Wygant, he wasn't as good as we thought he would be, and he made mention of that a few times in the press conference in my interview with him, he wasn't super stoked on his riding, and I agree. Like, he was great. He won the race. He was awesome, but he wasn't, like, all-world. Like, Christian Craig had some moments of brilliance, and Zach Osborne was fastest all day long, and, and even AC looked great. Jordan Smith turned it up. Like, But Savacci won. So if you're Joey Savacci in PC, you're stoked. You didn't bring your A-plus game, and you won. Yeah, going through all the post-race interviews uh, from this one and, and the press conference and all that, and even the TV interviews, uh, I think you forget sometimes that this is basically their Anaheim one, and almost every rider was like, I rode like crap, I was nervous, it was round one, This is I expect to ride better. So there's definitely a lot of that, and that includes Savachi, so it's really hard to judge anyone for sure, because there's a chance that when the dudes are not nervous and tight next weekend, all of them ride completely different. But having said that, I now wish I could go back to that preseason pod because Zacco was really good, like really, really good, mm-hmm. and he might be the best guy. But like Jeremy Martin, who I picked in the West, I'm going to stick with him in the end, even though he's mathematically eliminated. You cannot change your answers after the preseason pod. Damn it all, because Zacco looked good, and Zacco was coming for him, wasn't he? Oh, twice, twice. I mean, yeah. Osborne fell, got up. I'm going to keep going. I'm, 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 I'm a bad dude. Yeah, Osborne looks. And you know what? Like, I'm pretty good friends with Zacco. I've always been there for him. Expert on goggles when he was, you know, crappy in Europe. But um, like he got third, but there was he was pretty fine with third, confident. Like he knew that that race could have been his very easily. It wasn't for a bit of a shit show crash in the second turn. Like Osborne was very okay with third like he knows his speed was there and his endurance was there and he fell and he still almost won so yeah i agree the only thing is that again that round one thing i mean Mm -hmm. fox city rode horrible jordan smith city rode horrible hampshire city rode horrible craig city rode horrible so 
every one of those dudes said I wrote horrible. So I do have to keep right. that in mind. But damn it all, Zach, it'll look good. Yep. JT? Yeah, I mean, he was the fastest guy all day. I firmly believe that. He was the fastest guy all day in the main event. Um, but he's got it. He's got to get rid of the mistakes. And he's one mistake all day. Uh, you know, the start wasn't his fault, that big Dakota-Alex crash. Nichols and Alex, yep. Yeah. yeah, it really jacked Zacho up because he was on the inside of that and got caught up in it. Um, but it was a it was a breakout performance from him, you know. But uh, still, man, you know, the, the thing with the neutral, that happens. But on a night like that, when everything is clicking, he was the fastest guy clearly all day. You've got to win. you got to put 25 points on the board. You know, wow, listen to you. Negative Nelly. I'm not at all. He was the fastest guy. I'm just saying to win a title in a short series like these guys have, you gotta you gotta capitalize on your good days like he's having. And maybe he comes out and wins Atlanta and no problem. I'm just saying he was the best guy and I hate to see him be that dominant all day and, and that much faster in practice and all that mm-hmm. and not not get the win. That's the frustrating part. Yeah, he was good. And Jordan Smith, props to Jordan Smith. He got a little bit of lucky, you know, with the with the crash and took advantage of it. Got a start from an outside gate, which was good. Um, Jordan Smith and RJ Hampshire. He were great though. Yeah, he were great. Yep, yep. Um, Jordan Smith and RJ Hampshire, two guys that you didn't notice a whole bunch in practice in qualifying, and then they put in good results in the uh, in the main event. So props to those guys. Um, Alex Martin. Wow, I couldn't have gone any worse for Amart. Jeez. LCQ, Man, mess that yeah. was. LCQ, then a crash in the main. That's that's a rough start for Amar. He looked good though. I thought he looked looked good all day long. You know. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was like yeah. sixth in qualifying, something like that. Yep. He's all right. You know, decent. I mean, Jordan Smith got second in the race, and he was like tens in qualifying. So it's just a frustrating start because you know how hard Amar works and how much time he's put in, and then you come in with all that all that hope, and then you you know leave with zero points. That's that's rough. Or well, one point or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, RJ said he'd been hurt and he hasn't really tested or anything. I didn't know, know any of that, but he'd have been happy didn't, with that. Didn't look like it. Yeah, yeah, looked looked pretty good. And Craig, uh, Craig was Craig qualified first. Did he get pole position? I think he did, right? Uh, no, he had the fastest uh, lap in the heat. No, Osborne. He oh yeah, Osborne. Osborne was faster. Craig was. Yeah. Yeah. Craig had a had a had a had a. An incredible heat race and and a good day all around. But dude, that was that was weird. Bad start, crash. I mean, even when he got up, he didn't ride that well. It was bad. Yeah, it was a bad main event all around. Yeah, like he should have. You just look at the guys and you're like, okay, Luke Renslin and Kyle Peters. No disrespect for those guys, but Craig's a lot better than those guys. He should get them. But yeah, he's got. Yeah, by his own admission, I mean, he said he just forgot how to ride a dirt bike. You yeah, know, it, just, it was not a good main event. Yeah. The riding's there. He looked great all day and night. Yep. Just the main event did not happen. So he's got to bounce back and he's got to get some points back moving forward. AC was happy with his race. He was one guy that didn't, you know, d- didn't tell me that he wrote horrible. I don't believe. And uh, he said, "Hey, Justin Hill got fifth at first round." So he's just putting that out there. Adam is. <laughs> he did. He did crash, knock a front number plate off, and his visor in practice, and then qualified fastest. That was awesome. So, we did you get to see that crash? No, the AC one, no. Oh, man, he he's had some bad breaks, and that crash could have easily gone south for him. I mean, he crashed really hard on his shoulder, on his face, 
right into the berm. Mm-hmm. It was scary. I, I was legitimately worried for him because it was violent and uh, hard impact and all the wrong stuff. Oh. So uh, good for him for being able to bounce back from that, but it was a scary one. I was so tempted on Monday, last Monday, to text AC and say, dude, just don't even ride. Do not ride this week. Like, just effing get to a damn Supercross. Don't even get on a motorcycle. And maybe don't. Maybe considering not, don't practice either. Because, yeah, like, he needed to complete one main event. So, yeah, I didn't realize that he almost didn't make it again. That would have been... He... That have been tragic. He had some other sketchy moments, JT. Did you see that in practice? Like he had other moments where he was sideways a little bit, pushing. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Those guys were going for it. They were trying to set the fast lap because it was a, it was kind of a pissing match. Like one guy would set it, and the next guy would go yeah. faster, and the next guy would go faster, and they were all taking some big chances. So I don't know that. I understand they're trying as hard as they can, but it means nothing at the end of the day. <laughs> like that qualifying. If you're oh, it's first, a, it's third, a, it means yeah. nothing. It's such a joke. Like it's and then and then these guys barely put any fast laps together, like in the yep. practice. You know, they cruise and they just go two hard laps to try to get up. Like if I'm the manager or like a coach or whatever, I'm like telling my guy, look, bro, put in four good laps, four in a row. Just lay them down and, and cruise a lap after that. And it's where you're at. You're at. You know what I mean? Like that's what Dungey does. And, and I know he gets frustrated with being poor on the board, but that's what Dungey does. That's what he's always done. He goes out and he puts in race laps, and if these, you know, they're I, I've heard from Chad and Burner and these guys, if you know, if if Dungey's at the top of the board when they leave practice, they're all screwed because that's his race pace. He can do that over and over and over and over. Yeah, uh, he. He's, speaking of which, after the the final practice, the third practice, he put in a heater on the last lap, came over the line, looked at the board, shook his head when he wasn't on it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, all right. Um, Good ride by Ferrandis and A Rod and Luke Reslin was good. Luke Reslin was good in a, in one practice too as well. Uh, Peter's ninth, Nichols tenth. Uh, it was kind of chaos out there at times though, man. Uh, Freddie Norton came from way back to thirteenth. Um, same Nichols was yeah Nichols was on the pavement in that second turn, got a tenth. So there's some nuttiness going on. And Benny Bloss was killing the whoops, absolutely killing the whoops. And then the whoops killed him. And over the bars he went. Looks like he hurt his shoulder. So. Ferrandis is uh I'm gonna I'm gonna choose the word very aggressive and just leave it at that. He's very aggressive in his passing tactics. So we'll see how that plays out moving forward. Um who I was impressed with Nichols, man. He looked good for uh you know I, I don't even understand how he's even racing considering considering he broke his femur what, three months ago? But uh you wouldn't even have known it watching him ride. I mean he looked good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um McAdoo was 10th for a long time, too. McAdoo was having a really nice main event. I don't know what happened. I think he went down, I think, at he some crashed. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he went down. He, he was riding pretty well. Um, so, after one round, surprises, Wygant? Surprises from anything, anybody, from our preview pod? Yeah, yeah, Zacho. I, I didn't expect him to be. Oh, that good, okay. This, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like he's never quite had that level of speed. Like, he's been fast. And he's been in position maybe win races before. But um, I don't know if there was the race where we've ever left where, like, ah, oh, dude, he was clearly just the fastest guy. Um, you know, he's been one of the fastest. I think he had one, was it Glendale uh, a year or so ago, where he led most of it and Webb eventually got him. Um, but I don't think that happens in this situation. If he's got the lead, yeah, 
might be over. Again, with the caveat of everyone else saying they rode like crap, but he looked good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, Savachi said that over and over, you know, and he was solid. So I was like, hey, Joey, yeah. did you see how close those guys were the last lap? Like, did you notice that? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I was Walmart market. I'm like, okay, it's a little close for me if, if, if I'm the leader. Like, obviously, there wasn't anywhere really to pass or anything, but I don't know, man. He cruised a lot. I'm like, oh, geez. Um, Zacho was Zacho was faster than than Joey was. Joey won the race. He got the points. He got the bonus. He got everything. He deserved it. Yeah. But Zach was faster. Yeah, I yeah. Feel very confident saying that. Which is what after the race, like I talked to Zach for a while outside the dome. We ran into each other when we were walking back, and yeah, guy's confident, man. Like he's like, yeah, yep, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, I think he knew. Um, JT, what about you? Any surprises? Uh, I mean, there were, I think there was a lot of surprises. I mean, you know, Amart was, I think, a, a legitimate title guy. He's out but for, for the near future anyway. <clears throat> um, Christian Craig's main event, that was a huge surprise. I didn't see that coming at all. I can't even imagine what DV was uh, cursing in languages that we don't understand during the main event. Um, Zacho's speed was, I think, impressive. I don't know how it was surprising, but not, you know, mind just like a mind-blowing surprise but it was surprising um and then dungy going backwards you know i could see him getting second oh. and i when tomac was up front i'm like eh, i don't know if he's got enough to get tomac here maybe he pressures him but he's gonna get second all day like it's basically a lock for second place here and to go to third with you know he made a mistake i get that but he had plenty of time he could have fought marvin all you know plenty of plenty of time to fight marvin off and to take a step back, I, th- I thought that maybe Dungey was the biggest surprise. Uh, just I've never seen him paid before. I've never, ever seen him paid before. I was talking more 250s, but that's still good. Good stuff. Yeah, it's a surprise. I mean, it's from the weekend. Well, I whatever. was talking 250s, like surprises. Well, I, or I was talking yeah. the whole weekend. Right. Um, so who can win a race in 250s? Can Jordan Smith win a race? Yes. He can. Can RJ? I'm going to say no. Uh, I'm not sure. Not with what he had there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also said he rode like crap. So Joey can win. Osborne can win. Craig can win. Adam Cincerillo can win. We all agreed on that going in. And I don't think any change from that. Was that RJ's best finish ever? No, I think he's got on the podium before. He has really? one podium. Yeah. Yeah, he has okay. one podium. Okay. Um, I don't remember where or when, but he does have one. Yep. I think Smith, that's only Smith's second or third podium, too. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's interesting to see, to to hear RJ say road like crap when he gets, I thought it was his best finish, or tied for his best finish. But that that was yeah. the interesting point of that was, right. you rode like crap, but that was your one of your best finishes ever. Yep. See, I think RJ usually gets crap starts, and then he got yet another one, but then there was such a ball up and all these other things, yeah. he ended up with a good start. I bailed him out. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he admitted that too. Yeah, he said I got got yeah. caught a break there. Um, a Rod was quietly pretty good, seventh place. He's the guy. When you look at this list, Luke Reslin's on Traders Yamaha. Uh, Peters is JGR. Nichols, uh, Jesse Wentland's Tyler. When you look at these guys, like I don't. A Rod's riding for MTF or something. Nice job for A Rod, seventh place. Yeah, so. yeah, he was uh, he was third or fourth like early, pretty solidly. Yep, and he he faded back a bit. But I was uh, I was happy to see him not throw it away, trying too hard to hold on to that. He uh, he fought the guys, and if they had the line, he just let mm-hmm. him take it, and he put it in his lap. So he was good. 
And uh, Mitchell Harrison's still scary. He hasn't, oh, hasn't smoothed out much. I don't want to talk about him. Yeah, I, he was on my fantasy team. He got to me double points, but he crashed as usual. Very frustrating. Yep. All right. Uh, Fly Racing, Racer X Podcast. Anything else, guys, from Minneapolis? Any Minneapolis wrap-up? Do we have any? It's the Shit on Dunge. Shit on Dunge podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. To join the Shit on Chain yeah, podcast. Yeah. yeah, Shit on Dunge Shane, more uh-huh. than I did in... According to MXA, McElrath was going to be there, but he was not there, so we did not Shit on Chain this time. Yeah, McElrath was going for the rare double coast entries. It's <laughs> very... According to MXA. Yes, <laughs> yes. And Mookie's going... Go ahead. I feel like if Dunge is willing to forgive me for getting in his way at Hangtown 2012, I feel mm-hmm. like this is going to be no big deal. I'm telling you, he's he's handling it better than I, I thought he would. Like, Dunge, you know, you can tell when he's pretty pissed off and whatever, you know, but there's no crown. I think that's why he's so good now, though. Like, he's gotten – he's turned all that into an asset. Like, I think he's now the best guy at when – like getting the best out of himself, not getting down on himself, not getting lost in his own thoughts. You know, even on a crap night, he'll get a start and ride. The only maybe good laps he'll run the whole day are the ones in the main event. That's why he has this points lead right now. It's all those intangibles that he's developed that he used to struggle with that I think he's so much better than everyone else. So, yeah, he's doing an excellent job of, I'm sure he's frustrated also, but he's not, you know, putting his fist through the wall and making it worse. Mm -hmm. So good for him. Get on him for that. There's no crown. There's no crown. <laughs> indeed. There is indeed no crown. All right. Anything else, JT? Uh, I think we're good. All right. Perfect. Right. When's Brayton come back? When's Brayton come back? What happened? I talked to Tony. Talked to Tony for a yeah. while. But McAdoo. Of course you did. He's yep. your guy. He's yep. Your guy. Yep. Uh, Chiz is back next week, but privateer, 450. But any parts he needs, any help he needs, the MCR guys are there for him. But he will be a 450 privateer. Chisholm will. Um, All right. Brayton should be back uh, next week. He did a little bit of a, you know, got his heart rate up, but still felt a little bit weird. Um, what I found weird was uh, Tony said that Justin said that he has, hasn't had a concussion for years. And I'm like, what? but uh, you should go review some tape from BTO team, specifically the outdoors. But we'll see. Um, so, Brayton, yeah, one week. Weege? Okay. Um, there we go. Thank you. And then Stewart, the word about Stu is still Daytona, but we'll see. I'm not going to. I'm betting against it. Yeah, I'm I, just going just to go on record. From yeah. what I know and what I hear, I'm going to bet against it. Yeah, that's just the buzz, you know. But we shall see. Can we talk about Dungey's gear real quick? What was it? Yeah. Fox. Yeah. Shift. Normally, kill it. They do a great job over the years. This was not one of their finer moments. And when I see people on Twitter saying that they killed it and it was awesome and they loved it, I just I want to reach through my phone and punch those people in the face because that's not the Vikings' colors. Like, you can, you can dig the design. I get it. But that's not the Viking colors. They screwed up on the colors. I thought it looked like garbage. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm, yeah. I agree. I'm, I'm good with yeah. all this. <laughs> um, you know, cool job to try something neat, hometown, everything else. But that's Barney the dinosaur or Prince. That is not the Minnesota Vikings. And JT, I guess I mean stuff happens in in colors, right? When you're picking threads and colors and shades and and all that. But I don't know. 
Yeah, I am gonna just stay out of it because and, I, I can't. I can't be unbiased. On and on the orange bike, also not good. I don't know. I I thought I thought it looked horrible. I don't know what these people are talking Maybe about. Maybe he was going for the Prince thing. Maybe he's going for the Prince. No, it was for the Vikings. I found that. Out. I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely Vikings. I mean, you said you said Prince. Yeah, I don't I know. I have a lot of things to say on this. I just can't say any of them. So I'm going to completely... The number font looked off. The number font, the number one font looked off. It looked weird. The yellow was gold. The Vikings don't use gold there. I, I don't know what's going on. Again, Fox Shift usually do a killer job, but I'm watching him This going. was the first Minnesota Supercross since Prince has uh, passed on. So I believe that's what it was for. Okay, well then... In that case, he nailed it, and he went with the football look for Prince, which is interesting. I don't recall Prince ever. I don't recall Prince being a big football guy. I don't remember him running for a bunch of yards in the, in the backfield. He was a kick returner. He was yeah. a kick returner, like '94. He's purple rain. He's bringing the purple rain down on everybody. You ever see that Chappelle show skit where he was just an unbelievable baller and dunk and everything? He is. He's a great basketball player. Well, I don't know. He really is. Well, in real life, he was. Supposedly had, was a really good basketball player. And That's all where the I, whole kick came from. And I, all I hear from these gear jerkies is how difficult these energy drinks are to work with for logo placement and logo size and where they got to be and everything. Always them. It's OEMs, too. OEMs are okay. driving that from and, the energy drink. And Dunn shows up with red, a tiny Red Bull on his shoulder. I'm like, Don't get me started. <laughs> I'm like, huh? Don't get me started. Anyways, all right. Well, you I know did what? find it bizarre knowing that whenever we have retro night or any of these things, KTM uh, riders are never participating at all, not in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And we just recently went through a magazine thing where a KTM rider was, uh, he had, I think, Flow Green year on, which, of course, you know, the, the high-vis, everybody runs that. Yeah. But there was, like, a KTM mandate that their riders cannot be seen wearing high-vis. You know, they got to run mm-hmm. some orange-blue-type combo. And then blown out of the water completely all of a sudden all those things ktm doesn't participate in this they don't do retro night they don't do radical gear colors would be very similar and then this all of a sudden was like dropped onto the earth like a satellite fell out of orbit yeah yeah well, there'll be no retro night participation but they will have this yeah, yeah th- I, my head's going to explode like one of those fem bots on austin powers just <laughs> just thinking about how this all if, went if, if 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 i'm telling you what if this if the Seven Deuce Deuce puts this gear in the Lit Kit Award, that's the end of Lit Kit Awards. Oh. That's the end oh. of that. It might be the end of a lot more than that. That's going to be the the end of everything. If he if he determines that this this kit is lit, <laughs> I'm done because I'm done. Like I, I, people on Twitter, are like yeah, gear looks great. I'm just like, what are you thinking? Anyway, like, how do they miss the mark so much? And then somebody told me on Twitter it was the color rush. Vikings colors that they did on Thursday Night Football. Remember those uniforms that they did? Oh, maybe it was. And I'm like, yeah, no one should do anything with those colors on Thursday night. No one knows about the color rush. No one pays attention to Thursday Night Football, so you might want to choose normal colors. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Somewhere out there, John Randall is is crying that 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 was considered. I will say, though, that those guys, that particular brand is so good at pulling this stuff off. It was nice to see a, a misstep. Because it never happens. It's so tough. It's so tough to to compete with those guys. So it was a momentary sigh of relief 
That sound you hear was the champagne corks popping in Boise, Idaho. No, nothing like that. It was just like because I know I know the, the struggles we have. Of course, and it's difficult, man. It's it's you know it's not always easy to just nail it every single time and get things perfect. So and those guys are you know they've done things right for a really long time. So to see them just have a misstep is like oh well they're you know nobody's perfect I guess. Yeah. All right, everybody. Flyracing.com. Fly Racing. Check them out. Latest, greatest gear. Uh, they have Minnesota Vikings colors, the actual real purple, hopefully somewhere uh, that Fox does not have. I don't know. Um, all right. Uh, Jason Wagner, Jason Thomas, uh, thank you. Minneapolis Supercross Review. Thanks, boys. See ya. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Miguel was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. You know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey,